0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mountain Meister, and I'm your host, Ben Shank. On January 31st, the American Alpine Club had their annual benefit dinner, their largest and most anticipated event of the year. This time, the gathering was in New York City, and climbing legends from all over the country and even the world were in attendance. During the day, the club hosted three presentations from renowned climbers, this is the third, with professional rock climber Sasha de Julian. You can find the other two discussions on Mountain Meister as well. The first is a legend versus legend. Sir Chris Bonington and Uli Steck duke it out, while Forbes journalist Jim Clash moderates. The other is an Everest panel discussion with some of the world's most notable mountain guides and Sherpas, moderated by legendary Everest blogger Alan Arnett. To find these discussions or any of our other 100-plus episodes of Mountain Meister, go to our website, mtnmeister.com, or find us on iTunes. Type in mtnmeister in the search bar. You can subscribe there. Listen to all of our episodes for free wherever you are.
1: Who are the Mountain Meisters?
0: Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus.
1: Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it.
2: You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have.
0: Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank.
2: Uh We have <coughs> heard earlier today... Uli Steck asked, was he capable of climbing at this extremely high standard that we saw on the Dawn Wall a couple of weeks ago? That standard, 514D, is climbed by very, very few people in the world, and of course, Uli said, not me, right? And of course, I'll echo that, not me either. We have here with us, though, the only or first North American woman to attain that very standard, 514D, also called 9A in uh, <laughs> European yeah. European parlance. She's done that twice on two routes, Pyramagician and Arevea. Uh, she was the world champion in sport climbing in 2011 and has been the reigning holder of the Pan-American Championships since 2004. That's a long time. I'll turn it over to you, Sasha. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for the um, introduction, and thank you all for being here. Um, Sorry in advance for my throat being a little bit raspy. Um, It's cold outside and the weather got to me, Um, but I really appreciate you all being here to listen to me um, and to be speaking in front of such a distinguished crowd. Um, I began climbing when I was six after my brother pictured here. He had a birthday party at a local climbing gym, and at the time, I didn't even know that climbing was really a sport. It was just something that was a hobby that I really enjoyed doing. Um, I joined the local junior teams program, which met about every Wednesday and Saturday. And it was a team of kids from the Tri-State area. And we'd all climb together in the gym, which was near my house. And that's really how I started. Um, Then about a year into it, of going to the gym about once a week. I walked in one Saturday morning, and the gym was holding a youth regional championship. And so the gym was buzzing with kids from the tri-state area, all gathered to compete in this competition. Um, And this, I literally was stumbling upon the competitive aspect of the sport. Um, And the organizers, spoke with my mom, who's here today, and they said that I could compete, but I couldn't go on to do the national championships because I hadn't done any of the um, youth qualifying rounds. Um, So that was fine with me, I just really wanted to climb that Saturday morning. Um, And so I competed and I was in the 11 and under category and I won my category, so I was kind of, um, that, that was a catalyst for me looking into what the competitive aspect of the sport was. Um, I started training with a local coach who was recently arrived from Romania, who used to be a competitive climber himself, Claudio Vidulescu. And I started doing the youth series of competitions So that was local competitions through USA Climbing, which was the organizing body, and qualified for youth regionals, youth divisionals, youth nationals, and then I could compete for the US team. Um, And this was all when I was about eight. Um, So things were moving pretty quick. Um, I never really had a moment where it was like, this is, I'm gonna be a professional climber everything just kind of came in domino effect of following something that i really enjoyed doing and what i initially loved about climbing the day of the birthday party was well (laughs) candidly multiple things the first was what i still love about climbing and that's that you're in complete control of your motion and how you move forward up the wall is completely determined by your mental and physical state. So you have to be believing in yourself, but also be having all of your limbs in um, in synthesis and be able to know how your body moves and how to maximize your motion and be able to execute and defy gravity um, through difficult situations. Um, what I also really enjoyed was the birthday party was with my brother and his hockey friends and I finally found my sport that I was better than him at so definitely I've always had a competitive um, a competitive edge and climbing was what I really felt like I wanted to put my time and energy into prior to climbing I was on swim team did ballet and figure skating I played soccer and dabbled in lots of different sports, and I always valued the aspect of having sports in my life, Um, and that was something that was integral to my childhood, but climbing was really what I felt most passionate about. Um, And so following this kind of trend of climbing in the gym and training for competitions, When I was nine, I started going to the New River Gorge, which was the nearest area to where I grew up, which was in D.C. And I would go there on weekends with my junior team. And we would just be a group of kids with my coach, Claudio, um, and we'd be climbing um, outside and really just enjoying the social aspect of the sport, which is being outside in nature and enjoying each other's company while doing something that's physically demanding, which is kind of like every child's dream. Um, But mainly through, I guess, from when I was first beginning until I was 16, um, climbing inside was the main governing part of my career. I did the youth series of competitions from youth nationals to youth world championships, And then at 16, I could start competing with the adults. So I did the Adult National Championships and the World Championships. um, And I did the World Cup circuit following graduation um, from high school in 2011. But as I kind of made my way through the series of competitions, I started learning that I could apply what I knew from climbing inside to more outdoor achievements and define my own limits outside, which was really something that was motivating me about the sport. Um, There's one thing about competing and knowing what it takes to be at the top, but then when you're outside, you don't know what's possible because it's completely up to you to define what you're capable of doing. Um, there's a limitless grade scale because every rock and every cliff around the world is completely unique and you can go and establish and develop your own lines and climb whatever you want in remote beautiful locations and this is what was really my driving passion as I was moving forward from um, I guess transitioning more out of the competitive aspect of the sport and more focusing on climbing outside.
0: This is Mountain Meister, and you're listening to professional rock climber Sasha De Julian at the 2015 American Alpine Club benefit dinner weekend in New York City. Mountain Meister is supported by Moja Gear, who is dedicated to giving you the mom and pop retail shop experience, except in the online form. Visit mojagear.com for content curated for climbers and also just a great online store. If you type in the code MEISTER, M-E-I-S-T-E-R, at checkout, you'll receive 15% off of your entire purchase.
1: During my time off from school, I traveled to 28 different countries in the span of 14 months. And... What I really realized through it all was that climbing is the underlying language that really unites all these different communities and climbing was my passport to see the most remote and beautiful locations around the world and to really connect with the people there um, from the different cultures and to experience different styles of living that was all being united through this common passion, which was climbing. Um, this is a picture from my latest climb that I did in August in Sardinia, uh, Italy. And what I started realizing through my own sport climbing endeavors was that I could apply my technical skills that I had from doing single pitch climbs while sport climbing, which is essentially a rope length Um Generally, the average length of a sport climb is about 20 to 40 meters long, depending your rope length, to multi-pitch, which sport multi-pitch is what I started becoming more involved in, which is basically um, single rope length climbs on top of each other making up multiple pitches. Uh, And so you have a belayer who's climbing the route with you, And you go up one pitch of the climb, and then your climbing partner climbs that pitch, and then you belay each other um, in alteration until the top, similar style to the Don Wall. Um, What I had been doing was sport climbing, and so multi-pitch climbing was kind of the natural progression that I wanted to take with my climbing and to see what else was possible um, so I started kind of making bigger goals towards uh, climbing more multi-pitch climbs, first inspired actually by Reinhold Messner, who's here. We were um, in Salt Lake City, Utah, for the outdoor retailer show. And uh, Reinhold was like, took the wine menu at the restaurant and flipped it over and started drawing um the map of this climb called Panorama, which is in the Dolomites, Italy, which is actually near where my family, um, my dad's side of the family is from, Cortina area. Um, And he drew this massive roof, which was a multi-pitch climb that was established first by Alex Huber um, and told me this is the ultimate project. Um, And this was back in 2011. And in 2013, I finally made my way to the Dolomites and did this climb. I didn't do panorama. I did the one just to the left of it, Bella Vista. Panorama was wet. Um, Still need to return to panorama. But it was then that I realized this is the real thing. This is what climbing's all about. It's about that partnership that you develop with your climbing partner, which is you're you're literally putting each other in your own hands and climbing with someone and trusting your life in their hands while also working towards a goal that you don't know if it's possible. Um, And so this experience while doing this climb in the Dalmites really sparked also my interest to do more big wall endeavors like that. Um, So this last summer I went on another multi-pitch adventure in Sardinia, Italy um, to a climb that had been first established in 2002 and by Danny Andrada, a famous Spanish climber, and had gone unrepeated and um, was kind of uh, needed some new bolts and needed to be rediscovered. Uh, and I think that this process really opened my eyes to the fact that you don't really know what's possible until you define it yourself because I arrived to the project in Sardinia and I couldn't even do the first pitch of the climb and there were eight more pitches to the top. Um, The first pitch was a 513D but it was uh, on the climbing scale the climbing scale is really subjective because it depends on your skill set. It depends on the quality of rock that you're used to climbing on. Um, I'm five foot two, so when there are big reaches in between the holds, it can be more challenging. And I think that overcoming these mental barriers and realizing that no matter what the grade of the climb is or no matter what terrain you're being exposed to, you can figure out a way that you can do it. Um, it's just a lot about believing in yourself that it is possible. Um, so this was a hurdle that I had to grapple with, actually, in Sardinia. there was We had a film crew coming to document the process of me trying this climb, and um, a week before they arrived, I told them, I don't think that you guys should come because it's not going to happen. Um, and it's actually funny, like, looking back at the emails that I sent, just a week prior to sending it saying like I need to go back to school there's not enough time maybe next year I think we got in over our heads and then to the fact that I just was speaking with my climbing partner on this climb Edu Marin from Spain who um, won the world championships himself in 2008 and he was like it doesn't matter if there's cameras it doesn't matter what happens we're going for the climb and if we have fun then that's all that matters and that brings me to the Alex Lowe quote Um, the best climber in the world is the one having the most fun and I find that that, that's so integral to every experience that I've had while outdoor climbing Um, and climbing in general is just the fact that you need to believe in yourself but you also need to be having fun and enjoying what you're doing Um, and I feel really thankful for the community that I've been able to get to know through climbing, because it's really, wherever in the world that I find myself, I have friends there. And it's through this idea of working together to a common goal of getting to the top of a climb. And it's like, why not just walk around the backside? But it's because it's more fun to go up the vertical part. Um, And so I guess... That brings me to the, the present, which is my ultimate goal, is to really transcend this passion to as many people as possible and to advocate this goal of how integral sports are in your lifestyle. Um, I think that living a healthy and active lifestyle has really given me direction and I've always known who I want to be and what I want to be doing. And that doesn't fit into any sort of job description. It just fits into what I want to be doing on a day-to-day basis. And that's aspiring to whatever dream it is I have that day. Um, But also knowing who I am through having felt the joys of success and what hard work really leads to. And I think that climbing is what I can attribute all of these feelings to. And I like to spread that transformative vessel that climbing is to as many people and as great of an audience as possible. Um, Also, the idea of protecting our outdoors and leading a life that's sustainable is really important in my values. So I think that the American Alpine Club is really doing a great job in that and preserving um, our nature's playground. Um, So I really feel honored In speaking with you guys and being a part of this organization. Um, Now that's my story. So I figured since this is a um, panel, I would open it up to Q&A so that if you have any questions for me, um, I'm here to answer them.
0: Before we get to the Q&A, a couple of quick things. First of all, if you've enjoyed listening to Sasha thus far, you can have a lot more of her. We had her on for her own Mountain Meister episode. It's number 89. You can find that on our website, mtnmeister.com, or find it on iTunes. It'll be there. We talked about her strategies for tending her pumpkin patch, and to find out what that means, you're going to have to go listen to the episode. If you don't like what Sasha has to say, we have over 100 other episodes in our library. And if you don't like me, well, then you're out of luck. Now, for this Q&A, it's going to be a little difficult to hear the audience's questions because Sasha was the only one with the microphone. So I'm just going to talk over that person and narrate the question for you. This guy wants to know what Sasha is studying at Columbia. Columbia.
1: I am studying nonfiction writing, and business.
0: Where would you like to go with that?
1: Um, directly after graduating, I would like to focus on professionally climbing. And I'd also like to start writing a book, not because I think that my life is at any end point, but I think that it's important to start getting your story out there. And eventually, I'd also like to work in the sports marketing industry, whether that's starting to work with a company that I've been working with, like Adidas, or um, developing what I know already in the industry and kind of paving my own path. It's kind of a wide web of interest that I need to find some sort of linearity to.
0: We saw in the past month that you were doing some ice climbing with Will Mayo. Yeah. And it seems cool. You're doing something different can you talk about your motivations behind that?
1: Yeah. Um, every December, I always have an off season, which normally I'm skiing. And this winter was a little bit different. Um, I decided to go and learn how to ice climb because I think that one, mixed climbing is something that I've always wanted to do since some of my friends just told me about it, and I've watched some videos of the mixed climbing world cups and thought hey that looks really interesting and fun and different Um, but also because i think that differentiation is really important in progression and unless you mix things up then you're really inhibiting your ability to grow in all aspects of the sport and climbing has such a wide umbrella of different aspects to it there's bouldering and sport climbing and multi-pitch climbing, but then there's also mountaineering and alpine climbing. Um, And honestly, I'd like to explore all avenues of the sport. And I have had such a limited experience um, just starting as an indoor climber and doing single-pitch climbs to then going and doing multi-pitch climbs to then be able to enter ice climbing where I'm a complete beginner again. It was really fun, Um, and it was really eye-opening to see that um, you can climb frozen water, which (laughs) was pretty cool, Uh, but also just to feel like you have this whole new frontier of climbing that's possible, and learning how to use ice tools, and learning how to dry tool and rock, Um, kind of open this whole new frontier of what's possible, because you could come across a blank horizontal roof, but if you have tools, then maybe you could dry tool out of it, and um, maybe if you're climbing and you come across a waterfall that's frozen, now I know how to climb that. So it was fun.
0: You made the transition from gym climbing to outdoor climbing, and there are a lot of people climbing in the gyms. Not everybody can make that transition, from inside to outside, or some maybe aren't interested in it, what motivated you to go outside?
1: Yeah, Um, I think because I started at a young age going outside, what really motivated me, what I really enjoyed the most being outside was just being in nature and being with friends, and it was this social environment that was like I'm climbing, but I'm also just like having a sandwich and laughing with friends and enjoying it. Um, I think that what's driving climbing culture right now, especially in urban areas, is the gym culture. And people, if you go into any gym in Manhattan, there's, I believe, six of them already. They're packed. And climbing is kind of like the new hip workout. Um, and so it's interesting because I think that you learn a lot of your fundamentals to the sport in the gym. Um... And then there need to be more avenues to bring people outside, in my opinion, because there aren't enough programs to show people how accessible the outdoors are. Um, But at the same time, we don't want the environment getting trashed. So I think that simultaneously there need to be programs that show people how to respect the rock and how to respect outdoors. Because if you have a lot of beginner climbers just going from um messing around in the gym to then going outside, they need to know safety, they need to know the proper treatment of gear. They need to know the proper leave no trace um agenda that you need to be practicing outside. So I think that there's a lot of growth within the transition area. Um but I do think that gyms are a great starting point to bring people outside.
0: So how do you, how do you, you relate to your fellow students when they ask you what you do?
1: Um, well, what's great about being at Columbia is that everyone kind of has a special thing that they're interested in and passionate about. And um, I find that social media has been a really big driving force in my career, at least translating it to a broader audience. Because when I was growing up, and at my middle school. I would go off on these adventures in the weekend and no one would have any sort of visual representation of what I was doing. But now I'll share a picture on Instagram and instantly my friends in the city can see exactly what I'm doing. Um, So I think that that's been really cool to translate these remote locations outdoors to a more (laughs) urban environment. Um, so I guess it's mainly through social media pages that I share my experiences. Do
0: they understand the extraordinary nature of what you do?
1: Um, I have no idea. That's something more for them. Um, but I do know that every single one of my friends that I've taken climbing has fallen in love with the sport. And, yeah, I... I've had a lot of friends join the climbing gyms because they've just been like, "This is way more fun than running on a treadmill." And I'm like, "Well, a lot of things are, but <laughs> it's." I think it's a great means for exercise, but also it's a great social community. And climbing's inn- innately like a social sport, and gyms really facilitate that process. But I think the step that climbing needs to bridge is. Really, how do you take people from the indoors and bring them outside? And I think that through programs like weekend trips and showing people that, sure, it looks extreme, but you can do it too, because it's not actually as extreme as it looks in a lot of scenarios, is the message that needs to be told as well. And I like to be a part of telling that message because, It is, climbing is an incredibly safe sport if you do it correctly and you use your gear properly. Um, You can go outside and there are places like the Red River Gorge, which are like outdoor gyms. I mean, people just need to know how to use the belay device, need to know how to lead climb. Um, And in my opinion, it's a lot safer than being tackled by a 350-pound lineman, but... (laughs) Yeah,
0: you just mentioned the leave no trace ethics, and I'm not sure if you were here for the previous panel discussion on Everest, but I wonder if you have an opinion, and if you do, if you'd like to share it on mountaineering and some of the issues that were discussed there.
1: Yeah, um, I was here for the previous panel, um, but just for the tale and I would love to get do some mountaineering. Um, In my personal opinion, when I look at the massive groups that are doing mountains like Everest, I think it's a little bit of a shame that the mountain is getting so overcrowded. Um, I know that personally, were I to ever want to do a mountain like Everest, I would aspire to the ways that people like Reinhold Messner have done it, which is without supplemental oxygen and... Um, really carrying my own stuff. Um, I know that everyone has dreams of doing mountains that maybe they need aid with. Um, But I do think that when I've seen pictures of, like, the... uh, Honestly, the North Face team expedition up Everest was a little weird to me because it looks like the Times Square subway line where it's so crowded and people are passing each other on the mountain, I don't think that that's really safe nor genuine to the mountain experience, but that's my opinion. Yeah?
0: Um, Ice tools have evolved and improved a great deal over 20 years, and now mixed climbing, and then you mentioned Dry tooling. Yeah. I wonder in 10 years what
2: rock roots are going to be done with dry tools, maybe modified for rock.
1: And- yeah, well, honestly, you could dry tool like, like 15, I mean, on the European grade scale, like 518. You could dry tool things that just aren't seemingly possible to sport climb which is so neat about dry tooling because you can put your mixed tools into little tiny crevices in the rock and then leverage yourself off of them. And what you're holding onto is a really great hold because it's the tool. What your ax is into isn't necessarily very great, but as long as you keep your body completely silent on the tool, then you can really navigate up seemingly impossible surfaces. So that was pretty neat. I think that there's definitely a distinction between what you can rock climb and what you can mix climb because if people were mix climbing on what people were rock climbing on, then the rock surface would be ruined. Um, People generally dry tool in specified areas because there's a route in Spain called the Rambla, which is a famous 515A. And I was joking with some of my friends because it would be the easiest mix climb ever. Because it's a whole crack going up that's really hard to climb if you're just using your bare hands. But with ice tools, it would be really easy. Um, so, but I would never do that because it ruins the surface. Yeah. Um, back, when I started
0: climbing, back when I started climbing in the late 50s and early 60s, it was commonly thought that women, because of their different body types, could not do difficult rock climbs. Lynn Hill put that to rest, but what is your opinion of that? Is it a combination of physical training or mental or one of the other?
1: I think that there for a while was after Lynn Hill's reign there was a big discrepancy between what men were achieving and what women were achieving and I think what caused that a lot was women just weren't out there trying what men were trying and um Commonly, if you go out to an outdoor area, it's the woman belaying their boyfriends on what's hard and then trying their side projects, and I think, one, it's the tenacity that women need to have to go after and try what's seemingly really difficult for them, um, but also the fact that while outdoor climbing, there are so many different ways to solve the puzzle which is any body type really can do a lot of different climbs, a lot of the same climbs very differently. Um, So my method of doing maybe one of the nine A's that I did is gonna be a lot different than a guy who's six foot tall and has twice my biceps. But at the same time, I'm lighter and more flexible so I can make use of my strengths and my smaller fingers to my advantage. So I think it's a lot about capitalizing on what your body has going for it in a positive way and what, I guess, what you can do in order to solve the sequence differently, which is so unique about climbing, I think. Um, There are just so many ways to solve the same puzzle um, that can work, and especially outside because inside it can be a little bit more constrained. To You have to use a specific classic hold. Yeah.
0: What are your climbing goals coming up? Do you have any?
1: I do. Um, this spring I'll be in Yosemite. When I finish my, third sem- my second semester, my third year at Columbia, uh, so one year after this. But I'll be in Yosemite for a month, and then I'm going to develop an area in China, Um, in southeast rural China in July, and then I'm going to try a um, multi-pitch climb with Arnaud Petit in Madagascar in August, and then I'm back to school in the fall. (laughs) Yeah,
2: sure.
0: Yeah, uh, can you talk about your training regimen? How how much are you training a day while you're in
1: school? Yeah, um I do strength and conditioning training with my coach two days a week, um, Mondays and Fridays. And the other days, four days a week, I'm climbing at a climbing gym. Um, and then I have one day that's completely off, so that will be a rest day. My training is always about two hours of from when I'm warmed up to when I'm cooling down. Um, so I guess two to three hours, six days a week is my current training program. And I have class Monday through Thursday. And I'm traveling um, most weekends. But when I'm traveling, I always build in time to train. Um, I try to stay active almost every day, um, mainly for my mental health, because I go stir-crazy really easily. Um, But I also realize, like... My first semester at Columbia, I was new to this kind of finding the balance of how much you can be studying and how much you can be training. Um, So I neglected on some days training, and I realized that I'm so much more productive when I'm active than when I'm inactive. Um, So I think even if it's like running or um, doing abs for an hour or something each day, it really helps you. Um, academically or in the work environment.
2: Thank you, Sasha. Yeah, thank Dr. you all.
0: Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that talk from the 2015 American Alpine Club Benefit Dinner weekend with Sasha Julian, world champ, national champ, and perhaps most impressive. Mountain Meister number 89 listen to her episode at our website mtnmeister.com or iTunes you can listen to all of our episodes in those places as well don't forget you get 15% off of everything at Moja Gear's online store mojagear.com type in the code Meister at checkout thanks for tuning in as usual enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. Until next time, I am your host, Ben Shank, and you have been listening to Mountain Meister.